following is a presentation of the Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. If you'd like to know more information about our community, you can join us online at ConnectionChurchNC.com. Well, hello. Everybody feeling all right? So, um, does, does everyone have power? It's back. <laughs> awesome, good. Praise the Lord for that. Y'all smell good. You look cleaner than you did last week. Um, his banner over us is power. Amen, right? Bring that. Um, so, uh, yeah, that we've had an interesting few weeks. Um, I hear it's going to snow again. Coming up. Yes. No more school, out of school days, right, kids? Yay. Uh, just kidding. Um, but, but for real, Scott is out of town, which is why I'm standing on the stage. He is in Asheville, so if you think about it, throw a prayer up for him. Uh, preaching at a, a, a local church some, of some friends of ours up there. And uh, so you got me, okay? I'm second place, all right? I'm okay with that. I've accepted it. Um, I'm okay with being second place because at least you don't have to hear Bradley today. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can always look at the good side, always optimistic, you know? Um, just kidding. Bradley's he's better than me. But uh, I'm okay with that too. But anyway, so... Um, Scott got us off to a, a great start this past week talking about relentless, all right, our unyielding, uh, unending pursuit of people. That's what we are called to uh, because Jesus came after us, and, and we're going to be looking more about that as we head into the, to the Easter season and all that kind of stuff. So, so Scott got us off to a good start this past week. I'm kind of continuing on over the next couple weeks um, talking, talking about this whole idea of an unyielding pursuit of people. We are to be, to, to be relentless in our pursuit of others as, as we serve and, and as we, we look to others. And so um, today I wanted to talk about this idea of a divine interruption. Right, I'm, I'm going to call it a divine interruption uh, is, is what we're going to be looking at. Now I'd say on a whole, okay, on the whole, uh, as Americans, we are busy people, right? We got a lot going on. We have family, and we have jobs, and we have uh, stresses and struggles, and we got to get, you know, kid A to practice B and kid C to, to practice D and, and this and that and get them to school and get them fed and, and make sure they have their clothes on and, like, all this kind of stuff, right? We just got stuff going on all the time. Um, it's, just, it's just constant. Um, friends and family and events and planning and so on and so forth and all this kind of stuff. And because we are so busy, all right, that opens the door for interruptions, all right, for interruptions to happen. Now, um, interruptions tend to drive me crazy, okay, because I like to focus on getting something done. I like to do things, and I like to, to kind of get a goal in mind, all right? And I'm, I'm typical male, all right? Like, for instance, when I was dating my wife, right, I had a goal in mind, and my goal was to marry her, all right? So that happened. Relentless pursuit, right? Unyielding pursuit. So, so I'm, I'm kind of that singular focus. I like to hone in, and, and that's, that's me. And so when interruptions happen in my life, things that I didn't plan on or expect or whatever, that gets on my nerves, all right, like, like for instance, even little things, like in conversations, have you ever had somebody do the changeover? Like you're talking about a particular subject. Hey, I was, uh, I was at the, this restaurant the other day, and I was having a hot dog. And I'm, I'm telling this story, and I'm going into something, 
and somebody says, oh, man, hot dog, that reminds me of wiener dogs. Did you ever see that dog on that YouTube channel? And, da, 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 da? and dude, that, the changeover just happened. I was going somewhere, and I just completely got cut off and interrupted. What's worse is when somebody does the takeover. So I'm telling a story. You ever had this happen? If you haven't had it happen, you're the person that does it, all right? And I condemn you in the name of Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. So just kidding. So just kidding. That might be blasphemous. I don't know. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so, so I'm in the middle of a story. I'm telling this story. Something's getting ready to happen. It's so cool. Man, did you guys hear about that one guy? And then somebody jumps in and takes over the story because they think they can tell the story better than me, right? You guys, do you know what I'm talking about? Dude, I hate that. That drives me nuts, all right? Interruptions drive me crazy. When I come home from work and, I'm, and, I'm, and I've got this focus, like this is what I'm going to do when I get home. I'm going to go do this and fix that and so on and so forth. And then, and then my kids come in and it's just chaos. Crazy town. Interruptions. Always happening. Always kind of going on. Now, these are just some small examples, but, but we've got all kinds of opportunities and potential for interruptions all the time. There's always potential for the thing that we think we are going to do to be stopped by some interruption that is going to stop us from doing what we think we are going to do, what we are trying to do. Now, um, so just so we're all on the same page, all right, we're going to be in Acts chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, crack those things open, jump to Acts chapter 3. All right, if you don't, it'll be up on the screen. So what I want to do is just kind of catch you up in, in the story, all right? So we're all on the same page. So, so Jesus has resurrected, and he's ascended on into heaven, and he left the disciples and his followers to, he left them with this commandment, stay in Jerusalem, okay, which is the town they were in, stay in Jerusalem uh, until the Holy Spirit comes, and then you'll receive power, and then you'll go to, to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So that's what the challenge was. He's saying, wait on the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes, Pentecost happens, in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people come to Jesus. It's crazy town, all right, nuts. And, uh, and so this is the beginning of the early church. The early church, the first church, first century A.D., is, is beginning to take shape, all right? And we jump into the story, mid-story in Acts chapter 3, and this is the story of some of his disciples after Jesus has ascended on into heaven, and they're hanging out in Jerusalem. And their job, because the Holy Spirit has come, is to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then eventually to the ends of the earth. So they're in Jerusalem. Here we go. Jump in with me on this story. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. Um, in that, at that time. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms or to ask for money of those entering the temple. Now what we have here okay, is a picture of a typical day in first century A.D. Like the typical life of people is they, they if you were a Jew, um, you went to the temple and, and you went three times a day. They went at 9 a.m. and at 12 p.m. and at 3 p.m. and that was kind of a normal, typical occurrence. So they're going about their day. John, Peter, and John, disciples of Jesus, they're on their way to the temple. Nothing new. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of mundane, typical, everyday life kind of stuff. Okay, it was customary to do that. And then also, it was extremely common for those who had physical needs, who were blind or lame or deformed or sick or whatever, 
to be laid at the gates, at the entrances of the temple, the different entrances, so they could ask for money. Because in Jewish tradition, in Jewish teaching, it was actually counted as righteousness. Like, like you could basically almost be forgiven of sins if you just gave people money. All right, If you gave alms, if you gave money to those who were less fortunate, that was looked at as a, a, an act of righteousness. And in the Jewish teaching, if you do more good than bad, then you're basically in. Okay? So, so that's, that's what they were doing. So it was very common to see a lame man at the gate. In fact, it says there was a lame man whom they laid daily at the gate. He'd been lame from birth, and he was laid daily at the gate. There's this lame guy. We're going to call him Lame Larry, all right? That's just because that's what I came up with. If your name's Larry, I'm sorry. But uh, we're going to call him Lame Larry. And, and, and apparently Peter and John had, had seen this guy being set down at the entrance, okay, and, and um, at the entrance to this courtyard, and it, it says they're getting ready to walk in. It's almost as if Peter and John are getting ready to just walk by this guy, okay, because they're, they're on their way. They're going to the prayer time at the temple, at their church. He says he's, he's laid there daily. And, and Lame Larry was a regular there because it says in Acts chapter 4 that he was 40 years old. He was older than 40 years old, so he had been doing this a lot, all right? This was a common thing. Um, side note, I like Larry because it says he was set down at the beautiful gate, and, and most scholars agree that the beautiful gate was actually the one that, was the, that separated the, the courtyard of the Gentiles to the courtyard of the women, all right? So lame Larry was a ladies' man, all right? He knows where the money's at, all right? He knows. He's looking for a sugar mama, all right? And he's hanging out at the beautiful gate. Um, and so, so I like this. I like this guy already. Um, so watch this. Jump back into the story with me. It says this. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, to, to get money from Peter and John. And Peter directed his gaze at him as did John, and said, look at us. And so the man fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. So catch this. They're about to walk in the temple. It does not say that Peter leaned over to John and said, hey man, let's, let's heal this guy. Let's do something awesome. It, it doesn't say that, that anything about that. In fact, the story reads like they're going about a normal, everyday life. If you were a first century Jew and you read this letter, all right, during this time period, you think so far, nothing's out of the ordinary. He's going to prayer, they're going up to prayer to the temple, lame guy at the gate, everybody casually tossing coins in, giving him alms, like that's a normal thing. It's nothing out of the ordinary until, until, it says, Peter directed his gaze. This is where things get weird. All right? The typical thing to do was to walk on by and just toss some money your way. But I love this, all right? Because it says Peter directed his gaze. To direct your gaze means prolonged visual observation at an object. It means to stare at something and take it in for a long time. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I read Scripture, I like to kind of put myself 
into this story, and I like to kind of imagine what's going on. So here's how I picture what is getting ready to go down. All right? Andrew, you're my lame Larry, okay? Is that cool? Sweet. So watch this. They're coming down the way, and lame Larry asks for some money, and then all of a sudden, Peter stops. And Peter directs his gaze. Is that awkward? I mean, that's awkward, okay? I think that sometimes when we read Scripture, it's like, oh, and the angels come down, and then Peter floats by, and he gives and heals, and all this kind of, and it's just this, like, angelic story and all this stuff, and I'm like, nah, it was weird. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, everybody's going about their normal day, doing their normal thing, going up to the temple, going to the prayer time. I mean, Peter and John are going, they got, like, Thomas, let's go. We got to get to the prayer time. Come on, man. We're going to church. It's normal, everything. There's home, lame Larry. I've seen him. He's been there day in and day out for the last 40 years. All right, he's asking for money day in and day out for the last 40 years, and then all of a sudden, everything changes when it says Peter directed his gaze. He stops. There's this intentional move that changes the story. It's all of a sudden not an ordinary day. It's an extraordinary thing. It says, Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand. He raised up lame Larry. And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. Leaping, he stood up and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping. And praising God. Now the question that I ask, as I read through this story, is why? Why would Peter do this? I mean, it doesn't say Peter directed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit whispered into Peter's ear and said, hey, go do this. No. It doesn't say even that, that Peter or John had compassion on lame Larry. It says all of a sudden, just out of the blue, out of left field from nowhere, Peter stops and directs his gaze. It's almost like, hey, dude, I'm sorry. I don't have any money, but I'll give you what I got. Wow. And it's like this, this crazy miracle. Like, what? It just doesn't make sense to me. What made this ordinary moment become an extraordinary show of God's power. What was it? Here's what I think. Okay, this is Brent International Version from, from here, okay? So take it with a grain of salt. I would encourage you to study this on your own. But here's what I think as I read this story. You see, I think that Peter and John weren't looking at this as we've got to get to the church service. Prayer time's at 3 p.m., guys. We got to go. Come on, kids. Get in the car. Let's go. Hurry up. Get your clothes on. Eat. Eat lunch. Do whatever you got to do. Get in the car. Let's go. We're running late. I got to get to the church service because that's where God shows up at the church, right? God shows up at church services. I got to get there. 
Let's go, John. You're slow. See, I don't think they looked at it that way. You see, I think that Peter and John looked at the place that they were in as their mission field. They just happened to be apostles. They just happened to be disciples of Jesus. But you know what they were? They were missionaries to a culture. That's what Peter and John understood is that their mission field was every place where their foot stepped. The temple was their mission field. You see, their church, it says in Acts chapter 2, if you read back in chapter 2, their church was actually their fellowship of believers who shared everything. They hung out, they ate daily, they prayed together. The church was their body of believers. So in reality, they weren't going to church. They were going on mission to meet with people in the temple that were far away from Jesus Christ. There was a lot of Jews in there. And they all believed in God. Hardly any of them believed in Jesus Christ. And so when they were on their way, they were looking for opportunities for God to work. And friends, that's what we're called to do. We've got to look for opportunities. So let me ask you this question. Christ followers in the room. Do you want God to show up in your life? Do you want to see God in tangible ways? I'm not asking if you want to raise people from the dead or heal them or or whatever. I'm asking, do you want to tangibly see and experience and feel God in a real, tangible, life-changing way? If you do, then start looking for Him. So many times... We get so wrapped up in what we have to do today. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be doing God's work. And a lot of times, I get wrapped up in what I have to do today. Jesus, I don't have time for whatever it is that you're telling me to do because i got to go do your work. Does that even make sense? It's completely illogical. We get so inundated. I got my time with Jesus that I spend in the morning, and then I go to work, and that's my work time. And then when I get off work, I'm really tired, so I have my personal time that nobody, it's just me, just my personal time. And then I have family time, and then I have friends time, and then we go and hang out time, and we have this, and we compartmentalize every single little area of my life. And Jesus says, I want all of it. Wherever your foot goes, there go I. Every single moment of every single breath that you take, you are here and called to be on mission with Jesus Christ. That's why we're still here. Did you know? Man, I mean, if our whole purpose, the end result was just for me to get to heaven, okay, to be saved, then what would happen when people come to Jesus? They'd be ascended, gone, pew. I accept Jesus, boom, going to heaven. My purpose is done. Let's go to eternity. Praise Jesus, amen. No, I'm still here. 
The reason we breathe and the reason we exist on this earth as followers of Christ is because he has called us to be his church, to be his body, to be his ambassadors that take the name of Jesus Christ to places where Jesus has not been. That's what we're called to do. And Peter and John got that they were on mission. If you want God to show up for you in your life, start looking for him and start looking for his presence in other places other than church. Because I promise he's there. His spirit is roaming back and forth and all over this world. He wants to show up in tangible, real ways. Man, I love that. We're on mission. Something else that, that I, find, I find really interesting, and this is huge, okay? So get this. This is humongous. Peter and John, they welcomed interruptions. Welcomed them. I hate interruptions. They're the bane of my existence, all right? I can't stand when I'm interrupted from what I perceive is going to happen, from my expect, expectations, what I think is going to happen in my life when it gets thrown out of whack. I can't stand the interruptions. But Peter and John welcomed them. There's an intentional stop. In other words, they were aware that God is dictating the direction of their life. He's interactive. He's moving and breathing and writing this story so that he gets glory from our life. And that means <laughs> if our job is to bring God glory, then that means every single thing that happens, even the interruptions, God has an opportunity to work in a tangible, real way that will not only change you, but it will change every person around you. It may not happen today, and it may not happen five years from now, but I promise, if you look at those opportunities, you welcome the interruptions, and God is going to show up. <laughs> Instead of Peter and John blowing this guy off completely or just casually tossing a coin into his hand and saying, be warm and well-fed, brother, rock on. I'm late. i got to get to church. God's getting ready to show up. I'll see y'all later. Peace out, lame Larry. Be warm, man. I hope you work it out. He stops. There's this intentional eye-locking gaze. <laughs> because Peter knew that God was at work. He welcomed the interruption. Too many times in my own life, get this, this is where it gets real, for me at least. I make intentional moves away from the interruptions. Instead of me being Peter directing my gaze at those opportunities that God might be going on, if it doesn't fit in my box of where I think God moves, you know what I do? I direct my gaze away. And that hit hard when God showed me that. The guy on the side of the road with a flat tire on the way to church? Nah, I ain't got time to stop for that. I got to get to church. I don't have time to welcome the interruption. I got to get to church. Jesus shows up at church. His presence is at church. I got to get about my day. I'm going to feed the homeless people at the shelter. Don't you remember? That's where you, in that kind of service where the church is serving, God's going to show up. I don't have time to sit down and talk to somebody about Jesus on my own time. I got to get over here to where the church is doing that. Guess what? You are his church. 
We are his church, which means that there are things going on all the time that God is dictating little God moments and opportunities that he wants to show up to show you something about himself. And so many times, doggone, I get so consumed with my life and my job and my family that I forget that God actually works in more ways than just the ways I think he can work. Because he's God. He does everything. He does the unexpected. He blows my mind if I let him welcome the interruptions. Do you see the irony in all this? I can't engage my culture because I'm so focused on getting to the church. I'm so focused on only going where I think God's presence is. No. Jesus welcomed the interruptions. He used them. When you read through the Gospels, you'll see he used the interruptions as opportunities to show people things about God. And Peter did the same. He modeled what Jesus taught him. It's that simple. So let me add this question to it. It's not just do you want God to show up in your life. It's do you want him to show up and are you willing to allow God to show up in whatever way he sees fit? Because sometimes it's not going to work in your box. It's not going to fit. God doesn't fit there. God consumes. Are we willing to be used by God in whatever way he sees fit? Does that mean that I've got to take out the trash instead of standing up on this stage? Absolutely. Does it mean that sometimes I have to do things that I don't want to do? Yeah. Because if I look at it as an opportunity for God to manifest himself in a real way, then that means every opportunity is a moment to experience the glory of our creator. Man. What blows my mind is sometimes we're Peter. Sometimes we are the Peter that God wants to work through. And sometimes... We're the lame guy. Sometimes we're lame Larry that needs to be healed because we're broken. This absolutely wrecked me when I studied this. See, watch. Because that guy was lame, and because he was broken, he was looked at as less than. He was actually barred from entering the temple. In that day, the guy was 40 years old, and he had never been in the temple. Because in Levitical law, in the Old Testament, it says if anyone has a physical condition, if they're blind, if they're broken, if they're deformed, if they're sick, they can't enter the temple. Because the temple was the symbol of God's perfect presence on earth. And in Levitical law, you could not in the Old Testament enter the temple if you were broken. 
he was viewed as an outcast. Forty years had he been sitting at that gate watching people go by, not paying him any more attention than to toss him a coin every now and again. And you know what happens? When Peter recognizes this God moment that was about to take place, what happens when he gets healed? What did the, what did the lame guy do? It said he jumped up, he started praising God, and he went straight to the temple. The very place that he did not have access to, he found access Friends, at one point or another in every single one of our lives, we have been lame Larry. Because of our sin and our brokenness, we have been barred from the very presence of the living God. We can't get in. We are laying daily at the gate going, somebody please do something. Would somebody please just be Jesus to me. And because of Peter's obedience, this guy found complete acceptance and complete healing in the name of Jesus Christ. When Peter pronounced the name of Jesus over that situation, he wasn't just just calling him to be healed. He was pronouncing the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, the presence of Jesus Christ over that guy. He didn't just find healing in his legs. He found healing in his soul. Because of Peter's obedience, lame guy who has sat at a gate for 40 years found acceptance and freedom in the presence of the living God. See, that's what Jesus is asking us to do. Because guess what? The temple's gone. When Jesus died on that cross, it says the veil that separated us from the presence of God was torn. And guess what? The Holy Spirit came, which means we are the very presence of God here on earth. We are His temple. We are His movement. We are the the ambassadors of Jesus Christ to go to a lost and dying So many times we don't see it because it's an interruption on our day. So how do we do this? This is it. So after the lame guy gets healed, he goes into the temple. People are in shock and awe. It's amazing. Everybody's floored at what's going on. By the way, um, when miracles happen, Only God gets the glory for it. If it's a true miracle, if it's a true movement of God, messengers don't get credit. Messengers just take messages. The one who sent the message is the one who gets credit. So this guy gets healed. Everybody's freaking out. 
the church leaders go, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. This is, this is interrupting our prayer time, guys. All right? Holy Spirit only shows up at, at 9 a.m. and at 3 p.m. and 12, okay? Hold on now. This isn't good. He's interrupting our flow. So they put Peter and John in prison. The next day, they bring them and they question them. And it says this in Acts 4.13, watch this. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, when the church council saw the boldness of Peter and John, get this, they perceived that they were uneducated, common men. And they were astonished. (laughs) And they recognized that these men Hallelujah. Because what that says to me is it doesn't matter how good I am. It doesn't matter what good I do. It doesn't matter how smart I am. It doesn't matter any of the things that this world tells me that I need to be. You know what matters? Have I been with Jesus? Do I exist for his presence? Am I looking at every moment as an opportunity that he might show up and do some stinking crazy God moment that results in people getting glory? I mean, people being glorying God. Man. If you would just bow your head and close your eyes. This is not a formula. (laughs) I can't give you one, two, three steps. Here you go. The question is, man, have you been hanging out with Jesus? Are you in his presence? Are you asking him to be a part of your day? Better yet, he's inviting you to be a part of his. That we would get on board. That we would stop worrying about what people think. That we would stop worrying about, man, am I going to miss it? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? Man, just exist in his presence. He is working all around us. Oh, God, I want to be a part of that. So maybe, with every head bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're lame, Larry. Maybe you have no clue what I'm talking about this morning. And you you just need somebody to help you. You don't even know what, what you're feeling right now exactly or what's going on, but you, you just need to talk to somebody or you just need somebody to reach out and just, just help you. Man, if that's you, just raise your hand this morning. If you just don't know where to turn, we want to help. We want to be Peter. The other thing is this. If you're struggling with being in the presence of God, followers of Christ in this room, if you claim Jesus, I want to ask you, have you been with Him? And if you're struggling with just letting go, and just letting him do his thing and just existing in his presence and welcoming interruptions and just just living this life completely madly in love with him 
no matter what hits your life, if that's you this morning, just raise your hand. I'd love, thank you. Yes. Amen. Praise Jesus. God, I ask that you would just wash over every single person in this place in a tangible and real way right now. God, that you would that you would just show up in our lives. God, that we would humble ourselves. And that we would just be with you. Love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. If you would, just stand up real quick. We're going to sing this one last song. It's called Relentless. This song is, is off the charts good. And as, as, as a response, all right, I, if you truly believe that his love is relentless, and I want to challenge you this week to look for those God opportunities. Look for those God moments. Don't be so focused about your day and what you got going on. Let him show up. Because every opportunity that we experience is an opportunity for God to show up in a real way. Man, let's praise him because his love is relentless. Amen? Amen.